0: Um, You'll find the reading, uh, it's Ephesians 4.17 to 5.14, and you'll find it on page uh, 1110, page 1110. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Those who have been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because they are improper for the Lord's people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to to God. God.
1: Wonderful. Thank you, Sarah. I'm just going to pull this stand over. Well, that was a meaty passage, wasn't it? (laughs) Douglas, is it coming up on the screen okay? Ah, great, fantastic. Let's pray together just as we consider some of the implications of uh, the Word of God in our lives. And Paul's prayer to God in reading, uh, in writing this letter was this, and I think this is our prayer for us today. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people and his inpar- incomparably great power. For us who believe. Oh Amen. Oh Amen. Well, I, uh, I would expect that some people here have had some contact with uh, the Alpha Course at one, po- one point in their life or another. And one of the things that um, Nikki Gumbel, who uh, is, um, has been very involved in the Alpha Course and uh, leads it at the moment is uh, prone to say when interviewing people is something along these lines. He says to people, what difference has Christ made in your life? Or to put it another way, what's the difference now that you call yourself a Christian? And if I was to ask you that question this morning, I wonder how you would answer. What difference does it make? difference does it make maybe we would point to a change in our attitudes a change in our behaviors and i would hope that that would be very much the case and in writing the whole book of ephesians paul is focusing in two different uh, dynamics in our life in the first half of the book he's uh, looking at the dynamic of who we now are As Christians we are different people as Christians because of the impact of Christ on our lives we are changed and the first half of the book of Ephesians is unpacking for us what has changed what difference does it make that now that Christ is in our lives if we've let him in and the second half of the book of the Ephesians is looking at the externals if you like The the outworking of that in our ethical living, in the way that we live out our lives. So uh, in this series that we're looking at at the moment, we're looking at, at the Christian lifestyle, intentional Christian living, if you like, living on purpose instead of living by mistake. But the two are always in contact with each other through this book, and in this passage, we'll find today that there are a mixture of imperatives. Do this, don't do that. Live this way, don't live that way. Be kind to one another, don't steal. There are all these imperatives, but in the midst of them, there are references once again to the fundamental change that there is in us when we become a Christian. And so this week, I want to look at our motives, if you like, for a renewed, different kind of lifestyle. And next week, Tim will be unpacking for us some of the specifics of what that might look like in our lives, in our behaviors, in our relationships. So what difference does it make for us that uh, we call ourselves Christian? What difference does Christ make in our lives? And I think that there are three areas today that three metaphors that Paul uses in this passage that we've just had read that will help us to get a grip on what the differences are. We've uh, we've said in previous weeks that the the first half of the book of Ephesians is looking at a kind of calling on our lives. That on our lives, there's a there's a sense in throughout the book. There's this repeating repeated theme, that we've been called out of something into a new, eternal kind of life. There's a call of God on our lives, and as a response, we change our pattern of living. So there's a call and response movement. And this is rooted in Christ. And Paul says in this passage from uh, Chapter 2 in that first half of the book, this is a bit like being dead and then becoming alive. For you were dead in your transgressions, but God made us alive with Christ. So this is a kind of new creation in us, a new kind of eternal life. It's a dramatic change with an eternal significance on our lives. It's not just about being good or being honest, or being kind to one another, but it has an eternal, everlasting significance on us. And so the first of the three metaphors that I wanted to look at today that are in this passage is to do with clothing. So we've got Superman and Batman up there. Both have their own outfits, both have their own costumes. But I wonder if you've ever stopped to think about what the fundamental difference between Superman and Batman is. Perhaps you've got a favorite superhero. Lisa's wearing her Jesus is my superhero t-shirt we've already assessed this morning. Um, I'd like to say that this morning that Paul tells us that we're more like Superman than Batman. We are all more like Superman than Batman. And why is that? Well, the difference between Superman and Batman is that they both have their alter egos, if you like. Superman is Clark Kent when he puts on his suit. He goes to be a journalist in a newspaper, Uh, maybe a bit of a geeky one, a bit klutzy. Um, But as Clark Kent, he's he's dressing up as a normal human being, as it were. Batman, uh, his... uh, his normal facade is Bruce Wayne. And, um, and Bruce Wayne is this sort of multi-millionaire, isn't he? And with a, a huge estate and servants. Um, who's was at Alfred. who um, follows Bruce Wayne around. And um, what's the difference between the two? Is that Batman is actually underneath his outfit. He is Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne gets dressed up as Batman. He has his gadgets that help him to do Batman-like things. He has the car, the boat, uh, all the other toys that you can buy for your action figure at home. He's got all these uh, amazing tools that help him to be Batman, but actually, underneath it all, he is still Bruce Wayne. But the difference with Superman is that fundamentally, he is Superman. When he puts on the the clothes of Clark Kent, He's putting on a different persona. It's not really who he is. And so, what Paul is saying to us here, when he uses this clothing language, he says, Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Be made new in the attitude of your minds, and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This new self, this new humanity, the word is, uh, is anthropos, from where we get anthropology It's the study of humanity. It's a different kind of renewed, recreated humanity. That is who we are underneath it all. And we have to join in that process of being recreated by, as it were, putting on the clothing of, of Superman beyond, uh, beyond the, the everyday humdrum, beyond what uh, you see with the naked eye, an eternal new kind of life. So this in us is a new creation. I wonder if you know the creative power of God in your life, transforming you from glory into glory, an eternal kind of life that will not stop when you die, but can live in the presence of a holy, loving, and eternal God. So the first picture is clothing. The second one is to do with darkness and light, and the title of this talk is uh, is Living in the Light, Moving from Darkness into Light. And Paul says, "For once you, uh, for, for once, you were darkness, but now you are light. Our, our identities have changed from a place of darkness into light. Darkness is that place, isn't it, where fear lurks. Darkness is the place where uh, we, we can be disorientated. Darkness is also the place where we can hide. But light is about exposure. It's about truth. It's about honesty. Switching a light on in a room reveals what's in it. It, uh, it refines us. The writer to the Hebrews says, Our God is a consuming fire. And light is also something that brings life and fruit in our lives. And we are told that we are plugged into that light, as it were, as, as children of the light. And I think that um, Paul is picking up on a word that must have been bandied around quite a bit, bit in this Christian um, this, this Christian network that was evolving as the early church. Because um, it, it's also picked up in the Gospel of John. This is one of those famous Christian, uh, Christmas verses. What has come into being in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And these first Christians, I believe, were wrestling with the impact of the Christ event, the Jesus event. What just happened? Jesus came and walked amongst people. He did miracles. He did healings. He had teaching. In the extraordinary events surrounding Easter, he went up to the cross and died a hideous death. And then his disciple, the apostles say, they, they saw him raised from the dead. He appeared to many of them on many different occasions and their lives were transformed. This community was equipped and empowered by the gift of outpouring of the Holy Spirit and now they're out there changing the world. This was an extraordinary event. It was like someone switching a light on in a dark room. And for us too, Jesus shines in our lives In a sense, if if our lives are like a house, the invitation for us is to let Jesus into those rooms in our house where the doors have been locked for a long time and the lights have been off. He wants to shine a light into our hearts to expose those areas that we perhaps have hidden, areas of hurt, areas of fear, and to let his love shine in us, defrost us, Uh, to cast out our fears. The book says, doesn't it, perfect love casts out all fear. And to continue with that picture of light, in the book of Revelation, we hear that heaven itself, the new Jerusalem that God, the new creation that God sets up for his people to live with him, is a place where there's no need for a sun or a moon because God himself is the light of his people. And so living in the light is living in a place of God's existence. In Jesus, we become a light too. In Jesus' central ethical teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew, he says, let your light so shine before men that they give glory to your Father in heaven. Jesus' light in our lives causes us to radiate in the way that we live our lives um, to a dark world. So the call of God in us provokes a response to shine like lights in a dark world. So the first illustration that we had from the passage was about clothing. Putting on the new self, the new humanity. The second was about light, living as children of light. And the third is to do with fruit. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. The third metaphor is the outworking, the fruit that we bear in our lives because of the fact that God is at work in us, creating us this new kind of life, shining into the dark recesses of our lives. And the result, the outworking of it, is fruitfulness in our lives. And the contrast that is made in this passage is a futile or fruitless life. To live in the place of light is to... uh, is to bear fruit. To live in the place of darkness is to be fruitless or to live in futility. And that word futility evokes in the New Testament a lifestyle of idolatry, giving worth and worship to things that are not God. The old old, uh, unholy trinity, if you like, of money, sex, and power might be your idols. Maybe there are other ones All these things, the Bible tells us, are fruitless. But to plug ourselves into the light means that we bear fruit. And goodness, righteousness, and truth are the three main areas in our lives where we can bear that fruit. Goodness has to do with our conduct, our behavior, our ethical and loving lifestyle. Righteousness has to do with our relationships, the quality of those relationships are honesty and love for one another and for God. And truth is about walking in that light, being transparent people, people of integrity, people of honesty, where we value truthfulness with one another, avoiding the little white lies which are so convenient to tell, but uh, facing up to life with truth however painful that might be. Well, all of these imperatives may sound a bit daunting to us. It may sound like a big to-do list for the week ahead. But Paul tells us that it's rooted in who we are now. It's an outworking of our new identity as Christians. And more than that, I think that the verse at the beginning of Ephesians chapter 5 is an encouragement to us because at its very heart it's following jesus it's not about getting our head around all of this massive task list but it's simply about walking hand in hand with a loving savior who has given his all for us paul writes follow god's example therefore as dearly beloved children Walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us.